take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. While you're turning there, let me encourage you to keep your Bible open because the Lord uh, will have us looking at a few verses in that text today. Uh, as you know, and you verse, uh, voice that today is a holiday. And you know, today I'm going to be preaching again about one of the water experiences that our Lord Jesus had with His disciples. I say all of that to tell you that if you uh, would look around or if you lived in uh, areas where uh, they had rivers and lakes, you'll find people gathered all around water. Today on July the 4th, there's just something about holidays, uh, and especially July the 4th, that all of that goes uh, along with. I thought about we could have had a great American uh, holiday. You remember they say hot dogs, uh, apple pie, and Chevrolet? Well, we don't have any of that, but we want to look at the Word, okay? I simply titled it The Love Boat. Uh, uh, Jesus got in the boat with them, and as a result of that, what we discover is uh, uh, in our own lives, there might be some circumstances that uh, have been real, and we could uh, talk about times when our Master came along with us and, uh, and preserved our lives. So this morning, we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 14, uh, look at verse 22, and we'll look together and read together and see what the Lord has for us today, okay? He says, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship and to go before Him unto the other side, while He sent the multitudes away. And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, He was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they, come to, and when they were come together into the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God." As I reminded you in the beginning, last Sunday I preached uh, uh, again from one of the texts that talks about Jesus uh, and His disciples again, where water was involved. We'll find that there are many cases like that. Uh, one of the water cases that was involved with Jesus uh, happened not to include a boat, and that was up at Caesarea Philippi. The Scripture tells us that they were up there one day, and He asked a big question. He said, whom, say ye, whom do men say that I am? 
And you remember from that place, uh, uh, Peter said, Thou art Christ. And well, uh, around the water is very unique, is it, that the Lord Jesus gives us some large lessons. I'm reminded in Genesis chapter 6 through 8, there was a water experience. You remember, it tells us about Noah. Uh, and there had never been rain up until that point. But the Scripture reminds us, again, that there was a boat. God preserved life there uh, through the flood, and, and as a result of that, we uh, uh, live today because the Lord did not take all life. Jonah chapter 1, there was water, there was a boat. You remember there was a great storm uh, while they were out to sea, and Jonah was asleep, the Scripture tells us. And as they awake him and tell him of the calamity, the Scripture reminds us that he told them, Throw me overboard. I'm the reason for this calamity. And the result, uh, after they threw him overboard, uh, the, the sea calmed that day. In the life of Jesus, we find this a unique experience. We find no other place in Scripture quite like this. And the result of that is that Jesus comes to them walking on the water. As we look at this this morning, uh, let's just uh, open our minds that God might share with us uh, and, and remind us of a similar experience maybe in our lives. Not a literal experience, okay, but a similar experience. Well, first of all, I want you to see with me the disciples uh, and their obedience uh, here in uh, these verses. Verse 22 particularly, it says, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples uh, to get into a ship. The disciples and their obedience. Uh, let me bring you up to date here in just a moment. The Scripture reminds us that Jesus has had a very busy day. Uh, also, the disciples were involved in a large, crowded experience that day. This is the peak of Jesus' popularity. Uh, the Scripture reminds us that they would have crowned Him uh, if uh, they could have. But Jesus' time had not come yet. They had fed the 5,000. Jesus now uh, wants to break uh, that up. So He puts His disciples on a boat or a ship as it's called here in Scripture and He sends them to go before Him uh, to the other side. Now folks, we don't know how far it was uh, to the other side. He could have been up around Capernaum and if it had been there to go to the other side, uh, it could have been uh, seven, eight miles. I, I'm not sure. It doesn't tell us how far it was. Uh, I don't see that to be significant anyway. But it says, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples. That word straightway jumped out to me this morning as I had read it prior to the first service. And straightway reminds us of how it was so important. He, he uh, jumped uh, there to the opportunity uh, to get His disciples on uh, a boat and get them off the shore and get them on their journey to the other side. So you might take that word constrained. Uh, it could say 
compelled. It could have said urged. It could have said Jesus made his disciples get into the ship, but it doesn't. It said that Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him on the other side. I see this right now as an ordinary request. Remember, there's other times when Jesus would do great things uh, and He would send His disciples away even before He would. We like that passage in John chapter 4, you remember. Jesus and them had came to the uh, place there in Samaria, the place there of Jacob's well, and Jesus sends the guys away. And, and at the midst of that, He he does a great work with the woman there of uh, uh, the night. And the scripture tells us that when Jesus uh, would do great things, uh, lots of times, uh, well, many times, uh, the disciples would be there. However, there were a few experiences that they would miss. This is an ordinary, ordinary request. And the request simply says... Uh, Get in the boat and go to the other side. Well, an ordinary request. That means it was uh, usual, common, maybe a normal thing that's going on. Also, it is an opportunistic request in the sense there that the Scripture goes further to remind us uh, that while He sent the multitudes away, notice it's significant, Jesus uh, in his flesh, 100% man, 100% God. But the man side of him had got extremely tired that day. He was teaching. Uh, they had that crowd of 5,000 men or more. And now the scripture said, guys, get in the boat, go to the other side. And the scripture tells us that as he sent the multitudes away, he goes up into the mountain apart to pray. Wow, can you imagine the times that Jesus needed the opportunity that He would just still His heart and His mind for a moment. And He, he would not be around the hustle and the bustle of a large crowd all the time. Some of you probably work in busy environments. Some of you, uh, you, you work uh, in places that activity uh, is usual or common. And you can endure it. But Jesus now sends the men to the other side and, and leaves himself there for a, for a restful experience and a relational experience as well. The part I see here is obedience. I remind you that in the Old Testament, there was uh, the prophet, and he, he comes to the king at that time, who was Saul. And you remember Saul had taken upon himself to do something uh, that his position uh, did not allow, and he would make a sacrifice unto God. And then Samuel would come later, and, and he would say, To obey is better than to sacrifice. Listen, these guys, I don't see a rebuttal from them. There could have been, they could have said, Now, hey, Lord, uh, we need to hang around here with you. We need to clean off the hillside. Oh, Lord, we need to, we need to be the ones taking care of the crowd. Uh, don't send us away hurriedly. No, they obeyed. And the obedience part of this is that they obeyed, they got in the boat, and left shore. 
And the Lord then finished up that business of the day. Have you ever been thankful God requested you to go away? Well, the reality that of that could be not just to go away, but as He likewise would give us opportunity that we might still ourselves in peace that He can give. Look at the disciples and their oppression. We see their obedience. Look at their oppression. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. You know, as I look at this, uh, I don't want us to get too spiritually athletic. That simply means jump to a bunch of conclusions, okay? Why? Because humanity, the human side of us, wants to sometimes say, if you're a child of the King, if you are a son of God or a child of God, if you're going through something hard or tough, it might mean that you're out of the will of God. Have you ever been through something hard and somebody would equate that with the fact that you were not where you should be spiritually, and therefore you're going through this as a means of chastisement. I find that nowhere here that we could conclude that. Just because something is not going well, do not assume that you are out of God's will. At this point in these men's lives... They have followed uh, the commands of our Lord. On this busy day, remember, there was a lad there with a lunch. Uh, uh, When the Lord said, set peoples down in groups, they did. When the Lord uh, broke uh, or blessed the bread and the fish, they served them. Can you imagine? These disciples are full now of not just fish and bread. These guys are exhausted as well. And Jesus now sends them across the lake, leisurely across the lake as it began. The storms of life, though, become platforms for some of God's greatest lessons. I I, I can imagine now, because we have it in front of us, it is a record of history for millenniums now. And as a result of that, everybody can read of this particular boating experience and how the boat is being overcome by the waves. And as a result of that, it becomes a platform for one of God's greatest lessons. Surely, you probably have examined your own life in light of things you've experienced. And because of that, you have been able to uh, give word of God's faithfulness and God's uh, goodness uh, in every way. There was a season in mine and Debbie's life in the 80s. It was 83 and 84. Uh, And over that particular season, I was pastoring and I remember it so vividly because she had had to have a uh, major surgery and uh, she had got to, through that part. Matter of fact, the doctor had told her on a Thursday, you can drive again. Well, that was on uh, January the 12th of 1984. And then on uh, Friday the 13th of 1984, about 3 or 3.30 in the afternoon, I broke a jaw. I, I only had one to break, but... Anyway, I broke my jaw cutting a limb. And oh, listen, I did. 
uh, here that some people thought she and I were totally out of the will of God. Something wasn't right in our lives. Now, I know something wasn't right, but the reality was it had nothing to do where we were spiritually. But I said all of that to say this, that that was such an opportunity or a platform for some of God's greatest moments. You know, sometimes God takes extraordinary things to teach ordinary lessons. I look at you today, and as you catch me looking at you and staring at you, it's not that, it's not that I, I, I'm directing my thoughts to you. I'm, I'm collecting my thoughts largely because some of you have been through experiences that made you think possibly that your boat was going to sink. Oh, friend, it's pretty, it's pretty tough now. See the disciples and their obedience brings us to the place of their oppression. And it says there, the, uh, in the midst of the sea, the waves are tossing them about, and the wind was contrary. You ever saw contrary wind? Absolutely. Oh, the realities now is that Jesus is at a place now to really give a lesson to those He loved greatly, and so He does in our lives. Look at Jesus. I mean, look at the disciples and their observation. We have saw their oppression. We have saw their uh, other things. But I want you to look at their observation there. It says, In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Now, the disciples are seeing something they've never seen. I don't know about you. But if I was out on the lake and I saw someone walking to me or something walking toward me on, a, on the water, I would probably be more than afraid. You, re, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it says there that now when they see him walking on the sea, they were troubled thinking it is a spirit. Now, it is not the spirit they're talking about. They think that it can be something ghostly because they've never seen this before. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes it's the reality of the fact that the Lord shows up at a time in our life when we had not even a clue of the fact that God could work like that or God would work like that. The observation here is that it is the darkest hour of the night. You remember, you've heard it said that it's always darkest just before day. Fourth watch of the night. What they find is this spirit or something moving toward them and they are afraid. Now friend, let me just go ahead and maybe help you a moment. It is not uncommon to be fearful. Matter of fact, it is not even unholy to be fearful. You say, preacher, where do you get that from? You say, hey, I remember it said God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Absolutely. We can quote that verse all we want to, but the reality is still the same. There's moments in our life when we hear something or see something that we become fearful. Now, if you don't believe me, you, you just uh, eavesdrip on some of the phone conversations I have with other people. 
when they're telling me what has happened, when they're, when they're explaining to me where they are, and when they're fearful, I would even say to them, it's all right. We can be fearful, but we can't stand to live there, okay? That fear needs to pass on. The disciples and their observation. What they observed here is that it implies that they're thinking it is a spirit and they cry out of the fear they have. But notice it said straightway Jesus spake unto them. Oh, I love that. About as far away as they could get from the conclusion of uh, who it is walking toward them on the sea, the Scripture said Jesus speaks unto them. Now that would further add sometimes to our calamity, would it not? Because, hey, we've made a conclusion that uh, it doesn't resemble anybody we know. It's got to be a spirit. But then that spirit begins to speak and they recognize Jesus. And he said, be of good cheer, it's I be not afraid. Oh, friend, what have they encountered here? They have encountered Jesus in a place, in a position in their life that they've never been. And as a result of that, there is a lesson to be learned that they have not had the opportunity to learn as of yet. You know, sometimes we either need to discover or rediscover our Lord's person. To them, it was an image. Maybe there would be something that was... Uh, uh, coming through the waves of the sea, it was, though, the Lord's person. Now, the Lord is present with them. They have a recognition, and we'll see something greater in just a moment. The Lord's power, you'll see that before we conclude today. Why? Because you're going to see something similar to what we saw last week, where it said He calmed the sea. And they marveled. Why? Because they said, even the winds and the sea obey Him. But I see something here about the Savior that we need to focus on, and that is our Lord's peace. See what He said to them? Uh, he spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Friend, let me tell you, we focus, we worship the God of all peace, Okay? You say, preacher, I need a dose of peace. Well, uh, the reality is we find it in Him. And likewise, many times, He gives it to us uh, through the Scripture. Now, He may not speak to us audibly like He did the disciples that night, but He speaks to us through His Word. Now, if you don't believe that, you begin reading His Word faithfully. Come back in a month and tell me that God didn't speak to you through His Word. And I want to say, you must have been really distracted. Why? Preacher, because He speaks to us through His Word. Also, He speaks to us through not only His Word, but through experiences. And those experiences are uh, similar to what we see in Scripture today. I'm reminded, as I don't have it in my notes, but I, my attention just got drawn to it. You remember, they have saw Jesus but didn't recognize Him. How many of you remember the time in the book of Daniel when he was thrown there into the den of lions? How many of you remember the Hebrew uh, boys when they were thrown into the uh, fiery furnace? How many of you remember that? 
You remember one time the king said, I see a fourth man in there like unto the Son of God. Friend, you may be in a fire right now and this same Jesus shows up. You may be on the sea and it's boisterous. You could sink, that boat could sink, but you know who shows up? Jesus is there. Why do I know He's there? Because if you know Jesus in the pardon and forgiveness of sin, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, if you know Jesus intimately and personally, the Scripture tells me He has placed within you the Spirit of God, and as the Spirit of God has been placed within you and I, He goes with us everywhere we go. Jesus might just speak quietly and say, It's I, be not afraid, be not afraid. The disciples and their observation, they concluded that, well, could be a, it could be a ghost, but then Jesus speaks out. Look at the disciples and their opportunity with me. It said, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now this might be one of those instances that most of us Baptists would have said, Lord, if it be thee, allow someone else to come to you on the water. Because I've never walked on water, have you? Peter said, and he recognizes though, that he's going to put Jesus to a test here. If it's you, you let me walk on water to you. Wow. You know, the only two people that I've ever heard or known who could walk on water is Jesus and Peter. Now, I have almost seen somebody jump in the water and jump out almost before they could get wet because it was either so cold. I remember one year at the house, uh, it was some years ago, uh, one of the young'uns kept wanting to jump in, jump in. Oh, it was still cold weather. And, and I think they got permission to jump in and that particular kid was about out of the water before he got wet. Why? <laughs> because, because it wasn't time to be jumping in. Peter said, Lord, let me walk to you on the water. Only two people we can find that I know of who has walked on the water, Jesus and Peter. Peter now says, Lord, let me walk. It said, Peter came out of the ship, walked on the water to go to Jesus. Friend, I don't know about you, but in the storms of life, the wind is showing forth itself in a strong way. The waves seem to be high. And it's almost like the boat is going to turn over. Jesus calms the sea. And Peter, or might I say you, bid the Lord to let you come unto Him. Friend, you know, the miracles that we find that Jesus did, in some instances, what He is doing in your life and my life, when we obey, are just as great as those miracles. You know why? Because He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He changes not. Notice in this text, the Word, and the Lord uh, bids uh, Peter. He said, you know, He just uses a little four-letter word, uh, in reply to Peter, there it is. He says, come. Come. Just step out of there. He doesn't have to give a means of anything. He just says, come. Look at the walk. 
not only the word that says come, but look at the walk. And Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on water to go to Jesus. That's a lengthy sentence, some might say. But you want me to tell you how he walked to Jesus? One step at the time. It doesn't say he went down with his first foot when it touched the water. It said he walked there. And the scripture said to go to Jesus. Look at the witness. It says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Can you just visually see Peter walking on that water? And just possibly hearing the waves and turning his head to the right or to the left, he saw those waves. You know, you can't see the wind, can you? I've never saw wind. I've saw the result of wind, and so have you. Now we find Peter sinking simply because he took his eyes off Jesus. You know, every time I try to figure something out without keeping Jesus in the equation, I get worried and I get afraid again. And I do what Peter did. I begin to sink. Jesus is there, though, calling us. And He is saying to us, Be not afraid. And He stretches His hand out many times and catches us or picks us up. And yes, he can say to us, O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Don't don't, uh, get too alarmed if he would say to us, O ye of little faith. Why? You know, there was uh, something the disciples requested uh, from Jesus one day. Happened to be a twofold request that I can find they asked him one day. One was teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. And uh, the other was when they said to him collectively, Lord, increase our faith. Wherever you are right now, you might be saying to him, Lord, increase my faith. Most of us might be on on some uh, easy sailing right now, I call it. Usually one of the first things people ask me when they see me after not seeing me for a while, well, how's the family doing? And you know, I said, hey, we're doing great. But you know, one day it may not be that way. And the result of that, it may be that we have to hold on to Jesus or Jesus is reaching out to pick us up by the hand. And as a result, we discover the Lord. Last, I close with the, with the disciples and their outcome. And when he or and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. You know where the they comes in, do you not? He brings Peter back in the boat with him, okay? It says when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. He didn't calm the wind while they were out on the boisterous sea. They got in the boat and it said the wind ceased. They that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth. Thou art the Son of God. One of the most unique worship experiences of Jesus or with Jesus was happening on the west side of the Sea of Galilee one day 
And the scripture tells us that the men had been fishing all night and uh, that particular morning they were in, they were mending their nets, they were washing their nets uh, and their boats were there and there was a crowd of people there to hear Jesus, wanting to hear from Him. Jesus got in one of the boats and He said to them, kick the boat off the shore a little bit. And Jesus preached from the boat. You know, the Scripture tells us that people responded that day. But not just that He preached from the boat. This is the first worship experience that I really see in the boat. Now, some of us would ask the question, now, where's the piano? Some of us would say, well, where, where's the, all the people? You know, where two or three are gathered together in my name, they, the worship can take place. The reality, though, is the outcome of this is said, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. See, those disciples were being taught to be fishers of men. And this was just one of the classes or one of the lessons in becoming fishers of men. And I could conclude today as I close with this, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Jesus always meets us where we are. Wherever you are right now, just remember, if you call out to Him, He'll meet you right where you are. And as He does, He'll call us to places that we've never imagined before. As you bow your heads with me, let me encourage you. Hey, wherever you are, whatever, whatever place you're calling out to Him from, remember, He can calm the sea but He also can calm the sea that rages within us as well. Father, what a wonderful time. I'm sure it wasn't pleasant when those disciples were there in the boat and they were thinking that they would perish. But Lord, what a wonderful time when they collectively could say, Thou art the Son of God. Lord, remind us that to, to be all we can be means that we trust Jesus in every way. Bless now at this time of invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stand as Brother Taylor leads.